Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. One world, one world. Now and forever, best friends. Best friends. true. One dream, one dream. Side by side, there's nothing we can't do. Hello everyone and welcome to Out of the Drying Pan, a Pokemon the Series podcast where each week we discuss the Pokemon anime or whatever other obscure Pokemon media that comes to our minds. This week we're changing up again and so we won't be discussing the Pokemon anime series but instead the musical stage production sensation that is known as Pokemon Live! And just a quick reminder, we are an E for Explicit podcast so listener discretion is advised. This week, I'm joined by my co-host, Austin. Hi, Austin. Hello, I'm Austin, and welcome to another episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Today's (laughs) mystery, where's Jacob? Wow, that is a mystery for the ages. Once again, Jacob is not joining us this week, but that's okay. That's okay. Austin and I are going to be, instead of talking about the anime, we're going to be talking about Pokemon Live, which we have been anxiously awaiting for weeks and weeks and weeks. And months and years, really. Maybe some of us have been. I have been. Okay. I just want to point out that I've been so excited to do this ever since we did our Pokemon fan fiction episode because this is the basis for that fan fiction that I wrote. So, listeners, if you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Please go back and listen to our fan fiction episode or don't because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> we need to do another fan fiction episode. Wow, we really do. I think it's like an annual tradition. Yeah, I don't know. It's been, what, about a year since we've done that? Well, we're almost due. Oh, God. Yeah, so this production, this musical, is the basis for that fan fiction. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled, Austin, to be doing this finally at long last. And we're completely on schedule for the Christmas episode. Yay! That's all I care about. I know, Austin, all he cares about is the Christmas episode. But that's okay, because this week we're going to be talking about Pokemon Live. Before we do that, though, do you want to do a little bit of a a recap on our weeks, what we did this past week? Tell us, Austin. Did you do anything interesting? Okay, everyone knows this. Everyone who listens to this podcast, when it's October, I have the TV on when I'm at home, and it's just any horror movie you can imagine, and I just, like, absorb it in through osmosis. (laughs) So, Alex came over yesterday. I did. uh, And we watched two. We watched two bad movies. (sighs) <sighs> the OG My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. And Paranormal Activity 6. The Ghost Dimension. Which were terrible. Um, we had a lot of fun with Paranormal Activity, I think. Oh my god, the commentary. Those are so fun to watch with people. They are. So this, for anyone who doesn't know, because I'm not sure if we talked about this last Halloween, but Austin and I's project last Halloween was watching all the Paranormal Two activity. Halloweens. What was it two Halloweens ago? Yes. Oh, see, the pandemic fucked everything up. Two Halloweens ago, our project was to watch all the Paranormal Activity movies, which there have been a couple new ones added to the roster since we started. But this one was the latest one that we hadn't seen. So we had to do a recap. 
like all the crazy convoluted bullshit that has happened, which this is what we did talk about. I appreciated, well, I shouldn't even say appreciated because all the movies are stupid, but I liked it better when it was more of like this mystery, right? Like, oh, it's, was it the wind or was it something? Ooh, you know, there's kind of like this air of like, oh, something creepy's happening, but I can't quite place it. It was like, oh, look, the door moved. Yeah. Like doors move in real life. That happens. Yeah, but it kind of gets, like the first one was decent in that it starts out like that it starts out like oh little things are happening or like maybe it was the second one with with the pool filter cleaner that was the second one okay well it was kind of the same situation but it's like okay the pool skimmer would end up like outside the pool and it would be like little weird things where he's like okay i couldn't i could have done that maybe i'm not remembering that i did something or put something in a different place but ultimately the movies devolve into this absurd convoluted like there's a coven and like a cult and like all kinds of weird shit happens time travel time travel yeah (laughs) (laughs) it gets insane and it's like okay this isn't creepy anymore it's just downright silly but it was fun it was a fun watch i would uh recommend it (laughs) it makes you kind of mad because these later paranormal activity movies totally ruin the first one yeah it does it's not like I ever took Paranormal Activity seriously, but it's like, God, all I can think <laughs> about is how there's an evil coven organizing all this in order to have... The goal was so stupid. It's to bring back the demon. Spoiler alert. Uh, whatever. No, bring back the demon in the past. Would that make any more sense? Or... No. Okay. <laughs> But it's fun if you like critiquing movies and tearing them apart and like pointing out all the flaws and loopholes in it and just generally laughing about like the stupidity of the characters in the film. Are you excited to make fun of something today on this podcast? Are we making fun or are we reveling in the majesty? We're reveling in something. Okay. Well, the other, okay, so other real quick thing, My Bloody Valentine, that was also a really bad movie. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about that. As soon as you left, I started watching critically acclaimed horror movies. How? Oh, rude. You saved the bad, shitty movies for me to watch. It was on accident. I watched It Follows, which was actually kind of freaky. See, I don't know, though. I don't think I'd want to actually watch a good horror movie because I I more enjoy, like, the stupid ones. If they're too scary, I just can't do it because it's like, oh, no, this is too real. It's kind of freaky. Like, on paper, it doesn't sound scary, but, like, actually watching it, it's like, oh, shit, that would be scary. Was it, is it more like a psychological, like, thriller? Yes. Oh, see, I can't do movies like that. You know the the thought problem of, there's a snail that's coming to kill you. Oh, you can't avoid it, it's indestructible, it always is coming, yeah. It's exactly that premise. (laughs) Oh, no. Except it always takes the form of people. Oh, that's worse. And so you never know if a person coming up at you is the evil creature come to kill you. See, I couldn't live my life in a perpetual state of fear like that. It would be too much. Well, regardless, that was fun, though. I I had a good time. We got through two more bad horror movies, so. Only 5,000 million to go. Yeah. Speaking of 5,000 million episodes, Pokemon. Did that joke not land very well? (laughs) It's ongoing. It never ends. Well... Maybe not. We don't know that. Stop speculating. I don't know. That's what the Twitterverse seems to think. And if it's on Twitter, it must be true. That's right. Austin's under the impression that the Pokemon Journeys anime is going to end with the retirement of Ash. And we're going to be left floundering 
without any sort of direction whatsoever. We'll find out. We will find out. And honestly, would it be such a bad thing if they move on from Ash? Like, I don't think so. The problem is Pikachu. Oh? Pikachu needs to be present. Well, there's always Sparky. Do you want Richie to take over the anime? (laughs) Okay, moving on. Okay. Anyway, so that's basically, I would say what I did this week, but basically that was all I did because I went to see Austin and nothing else of note has happened. So let's just jump right into it, I think, because this is going to be a longer one. Not really sure because it's it's a two hour musical production. And we make 44 minutes worth of episodes into like three hours. So let's see how long we take to do this one. Think you know your Pokemon? Meet Mecha Mewtwo, the most powerful Pokemon ever. What attacks does he have? All of them. See Mecha Mewtwo versus Mewtwo. Plus Mew and dozens of your favorite Pokemon live in a rockin' on-stage adventure. It's not just a game anymore. It's real-life action. Get a free Mecha Mewtwo jumbo card with each ticket. Pokemon live at the Hummingbird Center. You haven't caught Pokemon till you catch him live. Let's just start with a little background on what exactly Pokemon Live is. Because some people may not have a clue what this is. First of all, it's on YouTube, so you can find it. Yes, and can we link it in our... Yeah, okay, Austin's going to do some magic after this and link it in our description so you can witness the magic for yourselves. But anyway, Pokemon Live is a musical stage show that toured the United States from September of 2000 to January of 2001. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, did they also do other countries as well, or was it mainly in the U.S.? I think they did. If they did, it was very limited in scope. Right. But this was like the height of like the Pokemon craze. Pokemania. Pokemania. Pokemon Live was born out of (laughs) Pokemania. Unfortunately, it never received an official video release, although I think Pokemon did say at one point that they were going to do that, but they never did. That's a crime. I know. Austin, as the, like, collector of all Pokemon media, obscure and otherwise. No, 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 no. Not all all media. Okay, amongst our group, you are the collector. Okay. So. Okay, let's clarify (laughs) this. I clarify the DVDs, kind of. The manga, kind of. Mm Mm-hmm. And the CD soundtracks. Which you can't get the fucking Pokemon Live CD soundtrack because it's like $500 because I think they only sold it at performances. That makes sense. Ah! Like at the merch booth or something? Yeah, I think so. Oh. That's okay. There's like videos online, right? That's Ripped why from YouTube's the... good. Never take those down, YouTube. Some of the... Okay, maybe this is an unpopular opinion or popular. I don't know. Some of the songs actually slap. We're going to get into each and every song yeah, we in are. detail. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, it was an interesting little production that they put on. It elevated Andrew Randall's to fame, though. And he hates this musical more than anything in the world, apparently. Do you know something? I googled it. I googled what was his looking back on Pokemon Live <laughs> like. Because, you know, he's a big name actor now. Yeah, he went on to win a Tony and a Grammy. He's done several other Broadway productions. He's quite famous. Most importantly, he played the role of Harley in Pokemon Advanced Battle. But other than that... We love Harley in this house. In this house. That's right. We'll get there. House of Harley. Woo. Apparently, he said all these actors were, you know, really young doing Pokemon Live. They must have been, like, what? Like, late teens, early 20s? They must have been. Because, you know, this is probably... This is how acting works. You gotta... 
you gotta what do they call it i don't i'm not an actor i'm not a theater kid Mm-mm. but you have to do pay your dues or whatever it is you gotta do the shitty jobs before you ever get a good one right right so i think this is for these people this was their thing one of their embarrassing things from their film are the their it's a, past. It's a springboard. You can't hate what like gets you there. I mean, everybody's kind of got to do embarrassing stuff or, you know, stuff that you're not like super thrilled about to get to the next step. I mean, yeah. And well, Randall said he mostly was mortified by this because he was asked to do a very flamboyant stereotype of a gay man. Yeah. He was thinking, oh, I'm doing this in front of small children. This is not good, which. Agreed. That is not good. Yeah, there's... Okay, so obviously we're going to have several things to discuss about that because it was quite um, pronounced, I guess. Team Rocket was awful in this. Oh, really? You thought they were awful? Jesse and James? Yeah, they were so annoying. All right, we're going to have some opinions to talk about this. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of... There were several instances in the show that I was like, oh my god, I didn't recall this. And also there's like seven... 10-year-olds, you know, small children in this audience, like, and they're making these jokes, which I know all productions like this have jokes for the parents, but some of it was kind of blatantly weird. <laughs> it's like, okay. But anyway, it was, it's, it's something that happened. It's a part of history and we're going to talk about it. Let's do it. Let's, how do you want to do this? You just want to jump right in? Is that... I don't know. I'm paused. I'm, I have stage fright. I don't know what to do. Okay. But you know who doesn't have stage fright? These actors because... Okay, great. All right. Let's 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 start with the beginning. We're in act one in which we are in Pallet Town and Delia, lovely Delia, is admonishing the shit out of Ash for oversleeping because Professor Oak is waiting, goddammit, and we have some important shit to do today. And Ash is like, a grown man slash child in this. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what's going on with Ash. He's kind of like a weird paradox. Like, yes. Okay, I read something somewhere. Please tell me. Apparently, either Nintendo or the Pokemon Company or someone didn't want Pikachu to be any bigger than like a foot tall. What, like a small puppet? Yes. Okay. So the people making this were like, yeah, that's not how stage shows work. You can't have a foot-tall thing on a stage and have no one see it in the audience. Right. So apparently they relented, and so the compromise was to hire the tallest actors possible to play the human roles to make oh. Pikachu look smaller. Okay. Which, I think that's so ironic, because now they have those Pikachu mascot characters. They're, like, giant. The, like, giant Pikachu jumpy dancing things that are everywhere sure. all the time. Yes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. So, clearly, that position got reversed. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a lot of factors that you have to consider when you're doing a stage production. Again, Austin and I are not theater kids. We don't have any sort of inside intel. But it was kind of shocking when it, like, jumps out from behind the bedroom set. Oh, shocking. Ha ha. And it was, like, a grown man in a Pikachu costume. So, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Anyway, so Oak is there. And he's like, Ash, get the hell out of bed because we have to go to the world-renowned seminar. I don't even... Okay, it it was hard to understand sometimes what they were saying. Professor Zalrons? That's not a tree. I have no idea. I'm just going to call him Sauron throughout the game. Sauron? Throughout the podcast. Yeah. Sauron, because it sounds like Sauron. Anyway, so he's doing a seminar on Snorlax sleep disorders. 
which actually seems like it might be an interesting scientific event. Oh, we would be the first in line for that lecture. What kind of sleep disorders do you think Snorlax would even have? As someone with sleep apnea, like, I relate hardcore to Snorlax. Give me some info on that. Yeah, exactly. But Ash doesn't want to, he doesn't care about this, unlike Austin, because he already has a Snorlax, and he already knows all about Snorlax sleep disorders, apparently. So this version of Ash has already, like, been around and had a journey, I guess. I find it so odd that, like, Ash just lives at Pallet Town now. He lives in his childhood room. <laughs> yeah, Brock and Misty also live in Pallet Town now, because they just, like, burst into his room. Like, they all, like, live together. Yeah. I don't know. There, it's kind of a weird inconsistence of, like, where we are in the timeline, but... Where we are is not in the canon, I'll right. tell you that. Yeah, that, that's damn right. For better or worse, but in this canon... Okay, there's, like, some sexual overtones throughout this entire thing, because this part is, like, Ash is like, okay, Oak, make sure to bring my mom back, but not too late, her, her, and Oak is like, that's not, or I'm not, or, and he's really embarrassed. Well, when, there's one thing I know about Ash Ketchum, it's that he's very aware of sex and sexuality, <laughs> and that he knows that his mom and Oak are having a affair, yep. and he likes to tease them about it right in front of their faces. That's, that's what Ash does. Yeah, par, par for the course for Ash. This was very in character for him. Exactly. Just kidding. Whoever wrote this did not know much about Pokemon at all, I don't think. Um, According to Wikipedia and Bulbapedia, the showrunner for this stage production apparently wrote the script for this in a matter of weeks. And they did not have any prior knowledge of Pokemon before being told to write this show. Which I get it. I I get it. We cannot forget how, what a new of a concept Pokemon was at the time, and how no adult would have any idea what any of this is. I keep forgetting that. To be honest with you, like I'm trying to frame this in my mind. It's like okay, this was like early Pokemon days, and it's kind of hard to do that when we've had it for 25 years. And it's like, well, every mm -hmm. person on the planet knows what Pokemon is, but they had no source material really. I mean, they were still making it up as they went. It makes me think of um, when Detective Pikachu, the movie, came out, which we reference a lot. I don't know why we do that, but some of the reviews I read said, like, this is the first Pokemon movie to come out that came out in an era where the parents taking the kids to see the movie knew what Pokemon was. I mean, obviously, we, we like, our generation people in our age bracket now have children of their own we grew up with pokemon and absolutely know what it is it's now intergenerational in a way it absolutely was not in the year 2001 or whatever no, no. you know and honestly i wonder how many like children these days are introduced to pokemon through their parents that's so funny I've seen memes about that. Isn't that weird? Oh, my daughter found my Pokemon cards. And right? Yeah, like stuff like that. Like, that's the thing. Like, you have your old Game Boy or your old plushies or your old cards or whatever it is. And your child, you know, when they become old enough, you know, not a toddler, but like, you know, that young child age where they would start to get into Pokemon, they find the stuff, like you said, and it's like vintage to them. They have no idea what a Game Boy color is or whatever. And so they're like, oh my god, what is this? And so that is how they get into Pokemon. Right, but we're very much still in the, what's a Pikachu? Yeah. <laughs> the Pokemon on the cover of Time Magazine kind of era of it all. And everyone's like, well, this will last two years at most. I'm so tickled. I just, thinking back on it and being like, 
just the naivete of people and like, oh, what's Pokemon? Oh, it's just a trend. Ah, it's so weird. And now we're here and it's just become this, I don't know, integrated into daily life kind of franchise. I don't know. It's so bizarre. It started from the Pokemon Live and now we're here. Exactly. We've come a long way. I wish they'd remake Pokemon Live, but that would never work today. Okay, considering that Phantom of the Opera is leaving Broadway after... I don't know, decades? Pokemon Live's taking its pace. It's leaving a vacuum, I'm telling Pokemon you. Pokemon on Broadway. Oh my god, could you imagine? I actually could easily imagine. That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's there's a, there's a void to fill now. Phantom of the Opera's gone. Pokemon is a natural replacement. That's our fan fiction. What is Pokemon Live 2 going to be if produced in the modern oh, era? <laughs> okay, okay. The possibilities are endless. All right. So, moving on, Delia and Oak leave to go to their seminar. And have sex. Yeah. It's just so weird. Okay. Ash breaks into a dance. He's dancing around in his underwear. And Brock and Misty run in. Uninvited. How rude. Question. Like, where do they live? Where are they adjacent to Ash? Are they neighbors? Maybe they live in the basement. I don't know. They must. I don't know. They're there now. And they start laughing at Ash because that's what friends do, right? They laugh at your embarrassing moments unironically and tear you down in a vicious manner. That's exactly what Brock and Misty do to Ash. I kind of felt bad for him, honestly. He's having a private moment and they just start running in and making fun of him. I said I hated Team Rocket. I also hated the twerps. Yeah, the personalities of the characters in this show are bad they're just bad they were all off they were all, they were all very loud and they were all doing like squeaky cartoon voices yeah which like i get what they were going for but oh my god is it hard to watch i mean i think in a in a way and i could be wrong again i'm not a theater person but like a, a degree of overacting is yes. required in these kinds of things which there was a lot of overacting but also it's it's a touring children's show Yes. All that matters is that the seven-year-olds in the audience are laughing and having a good time. Right. Were they laughing and having a good time? I'm not sure. Honestly, so the version of this that we watched, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's a it was a fan restoration. So were there different stage shows spliced together into one? I think so. Thing? Because sometimes you could hear the audience and sometimes you couldn't. Right. So it must have been different. It must have been like this is the best footage of this segment yeah i think that's what was happening because the audience was pretty inconsistent like austin said and sometimes like you know every show every concert every whatever production when you move around from different state to state some of the audiences are more engaged than others so like in one part they were clearly in new york because jesse and james were like come on new york you're not being very loud like, actually interact with us, and then other parts, they were loud. So I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure what's happening. Oh, we didn't even mention, this came to our city. Yes, it did. This came to where we live when we were children. And we did not go. Okay, were you aware of this when it came? I was not. You you didn't see it advertised? This would have been in our city in 2000. Right. So, no. Okay. No. I was aware of this. Of course you were. No, I didn't like go out of my way to find this, but they advertised it on TV. I didn't see. I don't recall ever seeing ads. I swear, for this. maybe they only advertised it for like a couple weekends or something. Who knows? But I distinctly remember them advertising this on TV, and it was like almost. It was the commercial we watched. Really? 
Oh, I'm pretty man. sure it was. And I remember thinking, like, God, that looks fucking awful. As a child? As eight years old, I'm like, that I, That would be mortifying to go see. Oh, man. I don't but know. But even as a child, I think I had my sense of irony, and I was like, I want to see this to laugh at it. Austin was a little different as a child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? A little different from what? You're you? more cynical. <laughs> More cynical than the average child? Yes, probably. I think I'm also projecting my adult mind into a child I mind. I think so. Yeah. Because I'm honestly struggling to think about, like, what my reaction would have been. Probably thrilled, honestly. I'd probably be like, I want to go. I'm also a little older than you. Yeah. Austin's a year older. So, I don't know. I, I didn't wasn't aware and if I was it probably was like one of those situations like oh well we can't afford it maybe it'll come back you know kind of thing and it never nope, did never so. came back <laughs> but no I remember watching it I remember watching these adult people in their ridiculous like misty Brock and Ash and Team Rocket costumes mm-hmm. and thinking this looks absolutely ridiculous <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going to ask my parents to go see this because I first of all I'm sure it costs a lot of money and as a kid, I was like, that's not going to happen. No way. Right. That would never happen. And second of all, I would have been too embarrassed. Embarrassed? To have my parents take me to this, and it's like, that? I guess. I would be embarrassed as a child. Yeah, I just, I honestly couldn't help but think what the parents were thinking as they were watching this. Like, I don't know. Was it more of like, considering what you said, with Pokemon being new, Obviously, it's not parents taking their kids like, oh, let's go to this Pokemon thing because I know what Pokemon is. It's probably the kids having seen this and wanting to go just because it's their favorite thing, Pokemon. And so the parents are like, what the fuck is this? Like sitting here and not having a clue what's happening. Right. I wish I could go back and know what it would have been like as a kid to go and see that. And also get the the Mecha Mewtwo um, trading card that they... Yes, they advertised that. And I was like, I don't know what this is. It looks horrible. It looks mortifying. Yeah. But what the hell is Mecha Mewtwo? I want to know the lore. There's no lore. There is no lore. (laughs) There's absolutely no lore. It's just something that was written for this show and nothing else. (laughs) All right. Mecha Mewtwo sounds like one of those imaginary playground rumor things. It kind of does, like the under the truck thing. Like if you spin around three times and press like up, down, B, X, Y, Z, you know, all this stuff, your Mewtwo will turn into a Mecha Mewtwo or something. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so um, Brock and Misty are in Ash's room and they're like, come on, Ash, we got to go and see about this diamond badge because have you heard about it? It's been advertisements on TV and Ash is like, oh, yeah, cool, the diamond badge. There's only, like, one in existence, and I'm going to be the one to win it. I'm not really sure. It's a very loose, like, plot. Anyway, Misty's upset because Ash forgot her birthday, and it's been three weeks. And he promised that he was going to take her to the movies, but he hasn't because he's so far up his own ass, and he doesn't care about anything other than Pokemon. I have thoughts about Misty and, and Delia, actually, in this. Okay. Like, tell me if you disagree with this. Uh-huh. Do you think that Misty and Delia in Pokemon Live exist only in the service of men and are defined by their relationships to them? Yeah, absolutely. As we will see as we go on in this production, there's a backstory involving Delia and Giovanni, which... (sighs) Okay. Misty's entire role in this is, why doesn't Ash like me back? 
Yeah, basically. Why does he pay attention to me? There's no other personal development or character growth beyond that. Boo. I know, boo. It sucks. But this is also the early or late 90s, early 2000s. So, you know. Anyway, so Ash is very excited and they decide to break out into song. Our first song. Yeah, because let's not forget this is a musical and we're going to do our damnedest to try to convey what's happening in this audio podcast. Oh my gosh. Austin, break into song quick. No. Because we're playing it in the background. Don't you hear it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. I hear it now. So you and me and Pokemon is playing, which starts off with some goofy stand dancing. What? Like Ash was like singing and Misty and Brock were saying to the sides, like feet planted and like doing like weird, like waving and like a wacky inflatable tube man. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then they start bringing out all the mannequins of all the Pokemon on like metal poles held by a person <laughs> holding them. <laughs> Okay, was it... uh, This was my immediate thought when all the Pokemon puppets started coming out. Because this is the first time where we just, like, start to see them all at once with no context. And I'm like, okay, they had a budget, they spent money on these, so we have to have them on the stage. Right. That was my thought. They're just surrounded by, like, people pushing around the Pokemon puppets and going like, Oh, look, it's a pincer. Oh, wow, (laughs) hi, Hitmonlee. It was so bad. There goes Gio, dude. It was really weird. It's like a who's that Pokemon for like five minutes straight. It's okay. But the song was good. It's a cute song. And this is all about friendship and the magic of friendship. I'm not sure what the themes of this work of art are, but let's continue. Okay. They dance off the stage. That was really fun and exciting. But now our favorite duo, actually trio, I should say, are here. Team Rocket. And Austin hates Team Rocket in this, but I thought they were entertaining. They had some of the most entertaining... Okay, compared to the twerps, Team Rocket was vastly more entertaining than they were. True, but so was a loaf of bread molding. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Tell us how you really feel. I don't think Team Rocket had the right energy. They were pretty energetic. They were very energetic, but it was... Okay, this is the silliest complaint I've ever had in my life. Well, that's why we're here, to pick apart relentlessly stupid Pokemon bullshit. Here's where we have our disclaimer of we're not actually crazy people who genuinely are invested in this that much. We're just having fun. Yes, this is all for fun. And we should also add, if you feel differently from us, that is okay too. That is your prerogative. Leave us five stars. Yes. And tell us what you think. We're all friends here. We're all joined by our love, mutual love of Pokemon. And we also make fun of it because it's funny to make fun of it. Because it's absurd. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Jessie does not have her like, I don't I don't know how you would describe Jessie. Kind of like a subdued, glamorous, she thinks she's a femme fatale, but she's not kind of energy. Uh, I don't know. Okay, do you disagree with that? I mean... I agree, I disagree with what I'm saying. I don't know how to define it. It's... Like, like think about Team Rocket as we know them in the show. Or, like, early Team Rocket. But, like, magnify all their, like, worst traits by, like, a million. And leave behind all their good traits. We don't need those yeah. in Pokemon Live. And also, they played up their stupidity factor, like, a million times. Like... Yes, thank you. Thank you for putting words to it. Yeah, well, that's his, that wasn't eloquent in any way, but, like, that's the best way I can describe it. Like, it was kind of a disservice to the characters, honestly, because 
yeah, Jesse and James are kind of bumbling buffoons in some ways in the show, but they also have, like, their moments. Jesse and James are very likable characters. Yes, they're likable. They're very um, ridiculous, but very personable. Yes. And they have a charisma to them. Yes. They're deluded in who they are, but they're still fun for who they are. However, in Pokemon Live, oh God. Jesse is loud and shrieking at all times, and James is an offensive stereotype at all times. Yeah. You know, honestly, my first impression of Jesse was Moaning Myrtle, if you know the character from Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> like that high-pitched, whining tone that she speaks in. And it was just grating. They had a couple of funny, like, lines, but, like, I can't, I don't think that that was enough to save them. Like you said, James is an offensive stereotype, and they really played into that really heavily. And... The, the rest of it was just, like, Jesse being stupid and not, like, a laughable stupid, like a, oh, my God, this is really embarrassing to watch, stupid. Right. <laughs> Jesse didn't have her boss babe energy. You know no, what I mean? No, she didn't. She wasn't, like, the leader. She didn't, like, take charge. I don't know. Yeah, it was not, it wasn't the same lovable Jesse and James, but that's okay because this is not canon, like we said. And what does canon even matter, but whatever. Meowth was great. Yeah, he was. Meowth was obviously the de facto leader in this because the other two... He's the canon Meowth. He's Maddie Blaustein. Yeah. <laughs> Which she did the voice for. It was right. their voices. It was Pikachu, Meowth, and uh, Giovanni. No. Mewtwo. Mewtwo. They did the voices. Which I think were just, what, dub lines? Yeah, I think they were just playing them over the loudspeaker. Yeah. Or the sound system. Yeah, so um, Team Rocket's here... This was embarrassing because, like we mentioned, I think they spliced together different productions. So, like, this particular part was done in New York. They were trying to engage the audience, and the audience wasn't having it. And I hate that more than anything. Like, you, if you're going to a live production, you have to be ready to engage. Could it just be that they were recording and the audience noises were not picked up by the recording? No, they were on a stage. They were in front of an audience. Oh, okay. Because they're like hey guys like you know we're team rocket you know who are we you know kind of trying to yell out to the crowd and they weren't yelling and i again i understand this is a crowd full of like seven-year-olds eight-year-olds ten-year-olds you know whatever children have not learned their screaming for the stage tactics yet well it's not even only that but it's like you know obviously they don't respond when asked like who are we team rocket you know that kind of thing but, like, half the time they walked onto stage, they were being booed. And I'm like, this isn't funny. They had to have been told to boo. The kids? Yeah, they Maybe. had to have been told that before they started. Do they have, like, cue cards? Like, please clap. I'm sure they, like, if someone came out and was like, okay, Team Rocket's gonna come out and we're gonna boo them. We don't like Team Rocket. Okay, maybe you're right. That's what I'm imagining went down. Because I'm like, these are some really shitty kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, man. Which, okay, well, this is so silly again, but I think is a fundamental misunderstanding of Team Rocket. The audience likes Team Rocket. We don't boo Team Rocket. I know. I like Team Rocket. But we're also like 30-year-old adults who have come to appreciate Team Rocket. And I've not... always loved Team Rocket. I think you were like the outlier, though. I was a weird kid. Okay. Because they're supposed to be like the, ooh, they're the bad guys, and Ash is right in every scenario, even though there's several times where Team Rocket didn't do anything wrong, and Ash shits all over them anyway. Especially in this. Yeah. 
those are the episodes I hate the most. Like, when Team Rockets are doing, like, nothing wrong and they still get, like, screwed over, I hate that. But I guess that's a metaphor for life because you can do everything right <laughs> and still fail, Captain Picard. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so this is the best part of the whole thing. Giovanni comes out. Mm-hmm. And he starts singing about how he was born to rule the world and he's surrounded by Team Rocket go-go dancers. And he's like, <laughs> and they're all screaming in the background, Giovanni. And it's the best thing I've ever witnessed in my life. What was that song even called? I don't know. Giovanni? I have no idea. <laughs> the funny thing is Giovanni's giving exposition on his evil plan. And I can't even listen to him because I'm too busy focusing on the Team Rocket go-go dancers going, Love Giovanni. It. I know. <laughs> I honestly don't know a single other verse of that song other than that. But that's all I need. As you'll recall, Giovanni and Delia are my absolute favorite characters in this entire thing. I wrote a whole fan fiction about them. That's how much I love it. Oh my god. I'm such a freak. Anyway. But yeah, Austin, like Austin said, Giovanni's dastardly plan is he's going to take over the world with... Well, actually, he tried to take over the world with Mewtwo previously, but that didn't work out. We saw that movie! Yeah, so... Oh my god! This concurrently and also doesn't, like, concurrently run with, like, what's happened in the anime. It's very weird. They made a Mewtwo puppet and they were gonna use it, goddammit. That's right. And they made a Mewtwo mecha puppet also, and they were gonna use that, goddammit. Can we talk about that thing? Whatever you have to say about it, please, please share. Did you get a good look at it? Because you can't see it in the video. There's, like all of like three pixels in that video so i can't really see right 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 right. i'm gonna send you what the actual thingy looked like on it's like tread tires it kind of reminded me of like a what do they call them from doctor who the daleks or whatever dalek dalek yeah it kind of looks like that Ew, that thing is horrifying it looks like a power rangers villain you know what i bet it probably was i bet they probably bought it it was a prop yeah they probably bought it cheap at auction from like some other stage production that they did it do- it doesn't fit the pokemon design sense it doesn't no how do you even describe this okay it's a robo scorpion but it doesn't have like a tail uh, without a tail oh gross it's got like a big jewel on its forehead it's got little ears just google it just google mecha mewtwo we can't do it it's got a weird belt thing yeah just google it we can't do it justice it's an abomination oh it's huge too Wow, that is... It must be, like, what, nine feet tall? At least. This is... uh, Yeah, just Google it. It's pretty weird. Anyway, so Giovanni's dastardly villainous plan is that because he failed to take over the world with Mewtwo, he built this thing using his bare hands, and he's gonna teach it all the Pokemon moves in the world, because that's how you take over the world, I guess. Step one, learn all the Pokemon moves in the world. <laughs> Step two, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step, Step three. Step three, profit. Right. Foolproof, Giovanni. Absolutely foolproof. So he has to battle people and also catch Pikachu because he's missing Thundershock, which is like the most basic ass electric type <laughs> move ever. Amazing. Yeah, there's no words. This was written by someone who doesn't know anything about Pokemon, which is perfectly fine given the year it was. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's okay. There, We have to give it some leniency in some areas. <laughs> like I said, his song's really cool, at least. I love Giovanni's singing voice, so check that song out because it's good. Should we point out 
Mecha Mewtwo is just a Smeargle? Oh! Yeah, well, we're not at Johto yet, and we haven't seen Smeargle. Okay. He invented Smeargle before it existed. Maybe we should have... Giovanni could have really avoided all of this if he just knew about Smeargle. If he just got a bunch of Smeargles, there you go. Take over the world. But in order to take over the world, he needs the help of Jesse and James and Meowth, because they have to track down Ash and steal the Pikachu. Bumbling idiots that they are. They're like, yes, boss. Aye, aye, Captain. And they're off to find him. Back in the forest, I guess, because we're in the forest, Misty is trying to tell Brock and Ash that there's more to life than battling and Pokemon and badges. Women well known for their nagging of men and mean. Yeah. Yeah. Please feel free to chime in with your critique of this because there was a lot to critique. This was pretty awful. Yeah, Misty's just being like kind of a Debbie Downer and she's like, can't you think about anything else? And it's like, well, actually, Misty, I can think about other stuff. Haha, <laughs> and some like hot chicks walk by and Brock is like starting to sexually harass them because that's what he does. And this and it gets it kind of devolves in a bad way because Brock or Ash and Misty have some kind of exchange. And then meanwhile, Brock is getting physically assaulted by the girls because he's all promised them like, oh, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Oh, you're the one that matters the most and all this bullshit that he's spewing at them and they slap him and then make some kind of comment to the effect of like let's go catch some pokemon because at least they're trainable and i was like oh god this is embarrassing the the gender politics of all this is so bad okay but brock is like not phased by this like he just got physically beaten up and he's like I like it. This is not how... Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, God. You forgot about that. I forgot Brock enjoying being slapped in the face. It makes him feel tingly. This is not the Brock we know. This is not how Brock works. I mean, Brock is kind of a like a lecher, but like he's not this bad. Moving on from that disaster. We should have had Tracy in this musical and not Brock. Could you imagine what that even would be? Tracy would be sketching them from the rafters. Yeah, it would be even worse. Jesse and James, meanwhile, are building one of their signature pitfall traps in order to catch the twerps. Which works really well on a stage production. You have to admire the creativity. There's like a, a rolling stand that has like a tree on it. That's where the pit, where they fall into. But the twerps climb onto the pit. They don't fall. Team Rocket bumbling buffoons that they are go to investigate and they're like i know why it didn't work we didn't remove the support stick and then they fall in is this when they sing my best friends i don't know i wasn't keeping up of where the musical interludes kept coming into play there's been a few this is the one song i didn't write any notes on i just wrote they sing my best friends there's like some reprises too i'm kind of relying on you to jump in and tell me where the musical parts are because i didn't make a note of that okay they sing at this point yeah there's some singing and dancing around it's hard to talk about on an audio podcast (laughs) go watch the damn musical scene transition again and we're with delia and oak at some abandoned warehouse looking area because that's normal and oak is like well, I thought this was the place where Sauron was doing his lecture. I don't know what he called. Like, literally, I have no idea. Were they what at Mount name. Doom? Where were they? I have no idea. They might as well have been. But the door's locked to Mount Doom. They can't get in. And so Delia's upset and she's like, oh, Professor Oak, everything sucks. 
things are changing and I hate change. And I kind of empathize with her in this moment because I also hate change. And she's like, my little boy, who's also simultaneously 30 years old, is growing up and he doesn't love me anymore. And Oak is like, Delia, everything changes and you have to accept that. Let's sing a song about it. Yeah, so we have to sing a song about it. Because how better to convey your feelings than through song? They sing about how everything changes and suddenly Giovanni appears. And he's like, ha ha, you boobs. The whole thing was a trap. And there is no Professor Sauron. It was me the whole time. No, actually, no, I lied. Because Professor Oak is like, did you, like, kill him and, like, throw his body into a pit? No, Jesse and James did that. Yeah. (laughs) But Giovanni's like, no, it was a trick. And who wants to learn about Snorlax sleep apnea anyway? Wait. What? Why did Giovanni lure them there in the first place? I have Why no would... idea. Wait, there was no need for him to do that. <laughs> they don't do anything. He wanted to kidnap... Per- okay, I'm guessing. I don't really know. I thought he wanted to kidnap Professor Oak to like show him Mecha Mewtwo, but I could be wrong about that. Why? Because he's a narcissist and he wants to like okay. show off his like creation. I have no idea. But he didn't know Delia was going to come. Apparently not, because he seems pretty surprised that she's there. I don't know. I'm just I, I'm just reporting on what I things just kind of happen, and we there's no meaning or logic to it. It just happens. There's no real plot here, so let's just go with the flow. He was trying to kidnap Oak? Question mark. Delia's there, and that's the most shocking part of it because we learn that Delia and Giovanni had a sordid love affair in a past life, and. It ended in a weird way, and apparently Giovanni still has feelings for her. <laughs> and Delia's like, no, Giovanni, that was in the past, and I've moved on and become a better person. And again, this is intriguing enough that I wrote an entire story about it. Okay, wh- what is the appeal of this to you? Is it just know. the bad boy of it all? Yeah, because it's like Delia had a, a past life as like a gangster girl or something. And she was involved with Giovanni and like her leaving the gang broke his heart. And so he like went on to become a supervillain. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't have to make sense. It's romantic. It doesn't make sense, but sure. Okay. It's the dark love. It's the forbidden temptation. Maybe that says something about me personally, but. Okay. Anyway, moving on. All right. All right. Okay, okay, I'm going to note, Delia said after she left the gang from her wayward teen years, she met Ash's father. Which I don't buy for one second, but I'll get to that. Okay. Okay, so Giovanni calls Professor Oak Professor Acorn, I thought that was really funny, and kidnaps them. I don't know why, because he is Giovanni, I don't know. And he throws him in his helicopter and they fly away. But not really, because this is a stage production. So we're back in the woods again, and Brock has announced that he threw away the only map they had to somewhere. I don't even know where they, like, what the map was supposed to show them, like, where they're supposed to go, but, like, he threw it in the river because he couldn't very well have a map if he was asking the girls for directions because then they'd be on to his plan. Things just happen in this. Right. (laughs) We have to move the plot along somehow. What little plot there is. Ugh. Anyway, they meet a deaf trainer on the road, and Brock knows sign language, and yes. Is this the only deaf person in the entirety of the Pokemon multimedia franchise? I think so. I can't think of any other examples. Pokemon's not really a good example of, like, 
inclusivity and like representation. Honestly, at this point, I'm kind of to shift gears into a more serious note, I'm pretty surprised that they haven't introduced more diverse characters. Have you ever seen a single wheelchair user in all of Pokemon? No, and it's kind of upsetting. For the hundreds and thousands of characters they have, mm-hmm. this is a genuine critique, actually. Yeah. It's a genuinely a disappointment that they are unable to to promote more diversity mm-hmm. in the, the entirety of this franchise. It's like... You have to be going out of your way to be doing that at that point. As the Pokemon franchise has gone on, they've added more skin tones. Iris. Which is a much needed thing. Olivia. Your player character can now be different skin tones. Mm-hmm. But there's all there's all kinds of different kinds of people. Representation matters. Diversity is very important, especially when it comes to children's properties. They've been very irresponsible with this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just, just shocking. It is shocking because you know there's like there's so many different kids out there who, you know, all different backgrounds, all different things that they could do like representation for and it's just kind of weird. It's like you said, it's more glaringly obvious when you don't do that than it is if you just like put characters into something that's like, "Oh, okay, here's, you know, even if it's just for like a one-off thing." They literally meet a new person every week. I know. It's like the, the character of the day, soup du jour, like, what's the issue today, Ash? I don't know. Like, it's so weird. I don't know. But shout out to Pokemon Live for including a deaf trainer. Yes. And for Brock. For Brock knows what I believe is ASL, but I couldn't tell because it was so tiny. See, this is what, honestly, we should have had Leslie on this episode. <laughs> Leslie knows ASL. Yeah, she could have told us. Was told that us. ASL? But I don't know. It was so tell. teeny tiny on the screen, I couldn't make it out anyway. Anyway, so the deaf trainer has a map to wherever. I'm not really sure how he also has a map. The diamond badge, Jim. Whatever. It's so weird. And so Brock is able to act as our interpreter and tells Ash that Ash can have the map if he beats this guy in a battle. No big deal, right? Well, you'd be wrong because this guy apparently has a Jigglypuff, who is also our Jigglypuff because it's the one that draws on people's faces. So I'm not really sure how he ended up capturing this Jigglypuff, but... Jigglypuff in the Pokemon Live universe had a very divergent path. Oh, God. I honestly forgot it even appeared in this, so I was like, ew, Jigglypuff. (laughs) But we have to use the puppet somehow, I guess. I was so sure they were going to play the Jigglypuff song. Like, the entire song about Jigglypuff. And they didn't? They did not. It It was caught me off guard. I'm sure we all survived. They play a different song instead. What song? Misty song. Oh, God. Okay. Jigglypuff puts them all to sleep. And Misty somehow wakes up earlier than the rest of them. And so this is the moment where we get where she... Austin is has his head in his hands. And I also agree. Misty's entire identity is wrapped up in Ash and her love of Ash. And she can't exist without Ash because she's been harboring a secret love for him this entire time. And she's going to sing to him in a weird kind of way as she caresses him gently and wipes the marker markings off of his face. Yeah, because Misty definitely is a type to wake up and be like, oh, Ash, he looks... Did you hear her dialogue? It was so weird. I couldn't hear her very well, but it's something to the effect of like, he's so innocent looking and so... Angelic. Yeah, oh, God. I was like, Misty, this is not right. And I doubly so because we just finished reading Electric Tale in which Misty is like her own independent person. 
but you know you can't have a female sidekick character without them having some kind of like infatuation with the main character so during misty song did you see which what pokemon friends came to join no misty starts singing i turn away for a half second Mm -hmm. i turn back and mew is on the stage floating around i missed it mew is just on the stage i'm like oh did misty's expressing her true love for ash draw in the psychic empathy of mew and now mew is gonna join them on the quest to defeat mecha mewtwo now mew's just there for half a second and then leaves and then some vaporeon and a goldine and some butterfree go by and then the song's over lovely they made a mew puppet and they were gonna use it god damn it yeah well they didn't use it in a good way it could have had an actual like plot relevant role but no that's all right because What's more important than Misty's weird secret love for Ash? Anyway, so Team Rocket, who also was there, also got put to sleep. And Meowth is kind of being really vicious to them and like calling them all kinds of like names and stuff. And I I don't know, it was like genuinely uncomfortable because I'm like, this is like beyond like some playful ribbing. Like this is like mean. And then the audience starts to like loudly boo them. They were directed to do that. Right. Part of the bit was like, we're so bad at everything we do and we're so we're failures and maybe we should just quit being team rocket uh meowth is like no you can't quit and so then they break into song about we're the best at being the worst what was this song it's like a tango what was that i don't know but i thought it was kind of a catchy okay catchy song i like all the team rocket musical numbers I don't know. I'm a Team Rocket stan, so they can do no wrong for me. Right. Anyway, then we're back to Ash, I think. I can't remember. We're at the, the point where they're like, we got to get all these songs in here. So they just like song, 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 song. Right. It's one song after the next. This song, though, is where Ash discovers there's like a bunch of Pikachus on the stage. I'm not really sure what he's even singing, honestly. Basically, it boils down to he discovers that his particular Pikachu is missing. Okay. Okay. I got the recap. Please tell me. They sing the Pikachu song, Promptu of Nothing. Pikachu song. So the twerps are singing with Pikachu, and then the twerps wander off the stage, leaving Pikachu to hang around with the background dancers. Mm -hmm. At which point Team Rocket and the Magikarp sub come up, and they chase around Pikachu for a while. Then there's a million Pikachu, and then the twerps come back. And then Team Rocket go off stage, and they come back on stage, and they have another Pikachu with them, and they put it in the sub and leave. And then Ash is like, where's Pikachu? Okay, thank you for the context. I had to go back and watch that. I was like, what just happened? Yeah, certain parts I kind of, like, looked away from, because I was just listening to the music out of one headphone. But yeah, no, we're now we've had the, the Pikachu kidnapping plot point happen, so it's time for intermission to collect ourselves from the trauma. So that's where we're at now. We're at intermission. So we can reconvene in Act 2. Wonder what's going to happen next. Is Team Rocket going to take Pikachu to a log cabin in the woods somewhere? What sort of dastardly plan does Giovanni have in store for Pikachu? I'm still not quite sure. Neither am I, but we're going to find out, though, in Act 2. So, okay, let's let's just take a second. What are our thoughts? What are our thoughts so far on Pokemon Live? I think we've talked at length about our thoughts on Pokemon Live. How are we feeling, though? What's our general mood? At this point, I think I'm just more bewildered than anything. Eh. At this point, I think I'm just like, oh my god, this is really long. It's a two-hour production. 
Yes, and we're at the hour mark. Honestly, I know we're, like, giving it crap for, like, not having a defined plot, but, like, what do you make a Pokemon stage production into? Like, what what can you possibly do? It's a fruitless endeavor. To keep an audience engaged for two hours. Okay, you know what I want to see? I want to see what Japan would do. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, like, they have those Sailor Moon... Sailor Moon. Sailor Mew! Sailor Moon stage productions and stuff. They did? Yeah. Ooh. It's like a big thing. I want to I want to see what would happen on the Japanese side of things if a theater review in Japan were to tackle Pokemon and the Pokemon company was actually directly involved. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't have any more background on how this came to be. So I wish I did. God, I wish I did. I wish I knew the conversation that led up to like, let's make this a thing. Did Nintendo of America make this happen? I don't know. I don't know either. But you know what? Honestly, we should just be happy that it happened, that we got to witness this. The real treasure was the Pokemon Live we made along the way. Oh my gosh. All right. So we will return, I think, next time for Pokemon Live Act 2. The thrilling conclusion. This is where it gets good. Does it? It sure does. Okay. Do we want to save our final, like, most valuable player, least valuable to next time? Let's do it next time. Okay. No one's most valuable so far. I would beg to differ. Okay. Okay, so join us next time, though, for the conclusion of Pokemon Live, the musical stage production, and also find out who Austin and I think are the most valuable and least valuable uh, (laughs) performers in this entire production. And also some funny quotes, because they had some good lines, but I'll save that for next time. Any final thoughts, Austin? You will always be my best friends. Oh, yes. That, that's the lesson we need to take away from this. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this train wreck. Please join us next week for the, the part two of this. Oh, my gosh. And if you have any questions, comments, or just want to tell us how ridiculous we are, you can follow us on Twitter at Out of Drying Pan. That's Out of Drying Pan. Or send us an email at Out of the Drying Pan at gmail.com. That's Out of the Drying Pan at gmail.com. And join us next time as the journey continues. <laughs>